my money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's a rich man's world. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. Uh, well, good morning or good afternoon, let's say. It's 12 noon, and... Uh, Beautiful Porsche from New Hampshire and uh, Handsome Phil. I have Handsome Phil in the studio here. That's me. Yeah, and uh, we have an intern, William. And uh, hey, William, if you want to come on in, you know, William's from China, and uh, we'll maybe, hopefully, Will uh, Pierce will be showing up. And uh, but in any event, we have a great show with you uh, for you today. We're gonna have Steve Michot. Uh, we're gonna talk to him down in Southern Florida, and he's one of the uh, f- uh, foremost uh, entertainment lawyer, movie mongol, not movie mongols, but radio. <coughs> Mongols, um, the country's ever known. So, uh, not everyone knows you, uh, Steve, and we know who you are. But uh, could you please give our audience a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, uh, how you, um, where you're living now, and what you're what you're doing today in terms of the music industry? Because a lot of people have asked about the show. Uh, basically, I'm a, a boy from World War II's veterans. I was born in 1952. My father became a music lawyer. He handled the career of Sugar Ray Robinson, which got him in the music. And as I grew up, I keep, I always ask questions and I wanted to get involved. And my dad fortunately had artists like Sam Cooke, James Brown, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles. And I would sit with these people in a never ending quest to learn how they create, you know, basically intellectual property or seeds. The seeds of fruit, the seeds of fruit for your mind. Real creations, and it's what America's forgotten. Because we live in a society today where we want to perpetuate what exists, not perpetuate the message of our country. Our country is to create new ways to live as time goes on. That's the Columbra, right? Yeah. So I grew up in this, and you know, I studied accounting because I needed to understand the economic warfare of a system that is created in America where... All we do is break all the Ten Commandments every breath we take. Amen. I went to law school so I could fix wrong law. And I'll never forget, I went to Vanderbilt. And one day, you know, we're sitting in the class, and it's in ethics, and they want, you know, the teacher says, well, everyone here wants to make money. Am I right? And I said, and they look, and everyone says yes. They raise their hands, and I didn't. And the teacher looks at me, and she goes, well, what do you want? I said, I want to fix wrong laws. Well, don't you want to make money? I said, not wrongfully. I don't want to imprison people in a system that's a lie. I knew this way, way back. And what I did was I ended up, I wanted to go into politics, but I ended up one day, I was sitting after I took the California bar. Elvis Presley just died. And my father's telling me, you're not going into politics. I've spent my whole (laughs) life waiting for you. You're going into music politics. You're going into the entertainment business. And Elvis Presley just died, and I'm sitting there. I'm living with Leonard Cohen. Oh, you li- you live album. with Leonard Cohen? Yeah, we did an album called the um, uh, The Death of a Ladies Man, and our single was "I'll Make Your Listeners Listen." Don't go home with your heart on. <laughs> and, um, 
and you know, it was with Phil Spector, Leonard Cohen, and I could give stories on and on, but you're asking specific. Anyway, what happened was Elvis Presley died. I was sitting there with a man named Freddie Beanstalk, and Freddie Beanstalk was the publisher of all of Elvis Presley's songs. Elvis Presley never wrote a song, let alone a note. And they all had to go through a man named Freddie Beanstalk. So Freddie Beanstalk said to me, we're going to move you to England and you're going to help put together the Elvis Presley musical. Next thing I know, I'm in England. I'm like, I'll do that. And I go there and the next thing I know, I met a band called the Electric Light Orchestra's Management. Next thing I know, Dad and I were representing ELO, which was the biggest band in the world then. And ever since then, I've been on this musical journey of living between L.A., New York, London, and Miami was always the place I wanted to live because there's more energy down here than anywhere. It's a vortex, you know, without getting too spiritual. There's energy here. And in the world that we live in right now, when I moved back from England, you know, and I've done music, I produce top bands in seriously over 65 countries all over the world. I started Walmart World of Music and Dance with Peter Gabriel. I have another festival called Green Man. I've been in Cuba a lot of the last year and a half producing music. Cuba? Did a movie down there. I, you know, and it's, I ran for the United States Senate. They wouldn't let me get on the debates. I sued to get on the debates. You know, and they, they sent it up to a higher court. And I said, what good did you just do me? This is October 17th. Today's the debate. You know, the election's November, whatever day it was. I guess it was November 8th. And, um, you know, I ran for Congress, and it, this just came out. Nancy Pelosi stopped me. She told people not to give him money. <laughs> and they had the DCC candidate. Now it came out that the DCC candidate, who I, I wonder if there's anything... Be, I, she's brainwashed or whatever. Her husband came out <laughs> as someone that does business with the Russian oligarchs that I believe own Donald Trump as much as they own Putin. You know, these are the people that run the nation. And I believe Russia is a nation built like the Kingdom of England when the Vatican created the 1215 Magna Carta. If you yeah. ever read that Magna Carta, I get sick. I never knew until I was older that the uh, church signed off on the Magna Carta. They created a feudal lord system where you had this king sitting there, but he reported to all the lords. The p people that owned the property owned it. So anyway, what am I telling you? I believe that the oligarchs run Russia and Putin's there a king. Yeah, yeah. yeah I so believe Trump owes the oligarchs the respect because they kept them out of going bankrupt when no one else would lend the money. But yeah. that's Stephen Machado in the future. That's not what you have me uh, here. And anyway, I believe in making money. I believe, and I also believe that we need a government that takes care of the people in the 21st century. We need to provide as a duty, not a right, as a duty, the health, welfare, and safety for all. And don't tell me we can't do it. Because if we feed the people, they'll create an economic system. If you feed the, the banks what both Bush and Obama did, when eight became nine, all you did was create more debt. It's, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. 1977, I graduate law school. Usury's 12% around the country. That same month, uh, South Dakota opened up, and they made usury, I think it was 16%. And all of a sudden, all the banks started going there, creating credit cards with 12% debt, which went to 22 or whatever percent. It's crazy. Yeah. Really, really crazy. Anyway, that's me in sort of a nutshell. Yeah. So you always have a, a great uh, 
I say spiritual uh, grounding. Who is the biggest influence in in, in your life, uh, Steve? Because you know, obviously you're dealing with some very high end, uh, very powerful people. Was it your dad? Dad was my biggest influence because he had them all around him. And Dad knew that there was something different about me, so he would sit me with people like Donovan, Ray Davies. But also, I'm a jock. I've been a jock my whole life. And when Sugar Ray would come over, he would get me to go run. While he ran, he would get me to run on a bike with him. Really? Why am I telling that to you? Sugar Ray Robinson may have been one of the biggest influences in my life. Because he taught me that the temple I go to is the temple that I live in called my body. And he told me, if you don't take care of your body, you ain't got nothing, boy. That's what he told me. He would run and I would ride a bike and he just taught me how to take care of my body, make sure I'm the weight that I want to be, don't let anything get in between. He told me to, He taught me more than anybody at a very young age. Sugar Ray, huh? Sugar Ray Robinson. The only thing I couldn't do is I couldn't jump rope. And he said to me, this ain't no sissy sport, boy. You need to learn how to jump rope. And I go, I can't do it. I can't dance either, right? So you got a music man that can't dance. But whatever. Wow. Now, uh, one of the books which uh, we'll get into this, uh, which you recently wrote, and we'll get into the one project you're working on now. Uh, The name of the book was uh, God's... Gangsters and honor, and what it, what 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 does that title signify, Steve? My life was to create man-made gods, and to make a man-made god, you have to be a gangster. You have to make people believe that this this man-made creation is better than you, and it's disgusting. And one day I got my honor back. I mean, I represented Daz, corrupt Snoop. I mean, all these people. It's like, are you kidding me? I could give you the, no one wants to hear this, but the entire gangster rap, it was created so white people could see black people acting like animals. That's the whole thing, and it went right on MTV. But then when the Iraq war ended, that didn't work anymore. So now, what are blacks? Blacks become the symbol of instant wealth. You know, here's what you do when you get money. That's not what you do when you get money. What you do with you get money is you seed your community. You build a team. You want a dream, you need a team. And, you know, what they do in our country is they tell you, you need to be the richest person in the world. Well, great. And that's where honor comes in. I had money. I had everything. But I had nothing. I had people that would sit and just humor me, do whatever whatever they thought they wanted me to hear, they would tell me. That wasn't life. I'd rather sit and eat with someone in a diner than go sit there and eat with, you know, whatever, the new elite, the new whatever. They're all creations of desire and greed and need. I believe everybody needs their day in the light. And it's, you know, it's, it's the yellow brick road. And the only way you're going to get it is you've got to discover what your real purpose is. And I believe you can get your real purpose. You know, it's, I've represented all different artists from all over the six continents of this world. And I learned one truth. We're all the same. Yeah. You go to Cuba, right? We're told to stay out of Cuba. You got little people like Marco Rubio telling you <laughs> to stay out of Cuba. It's like, are you kidding me? This little twit came to the United <laughs> States, and I'm sorry I used that word, but that's what he is. He's twisted. He got into the United States because he's Cuban. He didn't come in through proper immigration. 
They were given this break because the United States made Castro our enemy. Do you know how quickly we could have ended Castro in the 60s when you and I were kids? Yeah. All we needed to do was to send in the Macy Day Parade, give them substances. Instead, we needed an enemy. We needed someone to scare America saying, the communists are coming, the communists are coming. Where are they going? Cuba today, though, <laughs> somehow or another they survived. We put them in a position where you know, they couldn't give in. The IMF is trying to get into Cuba desperately. There's no Monsanto down there. So, A, you eat real food. B, there's no crime. And you've got a country screaming out loud to share the culture that they created not being married to mammon. Yeah. Mammon, M-A-M-M-O-N, material. Our nation's material first. It needs to stop. Why do people like Donald Trump? He's going to make you rich again? Donald Trump makes no one rich but Donald Trump. He may give you the crumbs. <laughs> we need to have a nation where everyone becomes rich. And to become rich, you need to have health, welfare, and safety. That's what I believe. And I like making money. I am not Bernie Sanders, who never made a dime. Yeah. Amen. You know, and I, you know, I, I look at it from a uh, biblical perspective. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with money. I think it's, it's the love of money, um, which, which gets everyone in trouble. I mean, because after a while, how much do you really need? Um, but I agree. You know, so, you know, any event. Um, <clears throat> so the you're in the music industry and I'm reading the, you know, the funny thing is, Steve, uh, at the time but I was actually. Movies too. Yeah. Music, you, movie, plays, TV, all of it. You did movies? I didn't know you did movies. A lot of movies. They're in there. They're in the book that you have. Yeah, well, I haven't, I haven't I got. Street, I did Street Fighter, Judge Dredd. I used to work with David Putnam. And I mean. The problem with movies is there's too many chefs. And then the problem with American movies is they want to have guaranteed return. So what happened is a generation grew up where we had romantic movies and movies that would make you dream and aspire. Yeah. You know, and I got involved in a lot of this with Stan Lee, which is another nightmare that ended up happening when they contributed to Hillary Clinton's campaign. You could look that up instead of wasting time now, but they made movies with horror or gangsters, you know, just absolute video game movies or horror movies, mm -hmm. because you would get a guaranteed audience. You get the teen audience. Then you get Disney making movies like Coco. That was a great movie. Yeah. That was a great movie, but it was a spiritual movie. And you didn't realize it was hidden. It was underneath the curtain of, of their visual images. Yeah. Um, now people have asked, you know, they, they, they you know, email me, they asked me some questions and, um, a lot of the, the, the media culture, cause I want to talk to, uh, later about the collapse of EMI and, and iHeartRadio and Cumulus Media and Citadel Broadcasting. We, and Thomas, the tank engine, we could go on and on and on, but the music industry, um, it seems to be so much of it just built on hype and I couldn't help um if you could just tell us the story about casablanca records because i remember casablanca's when i was a college dj uh steve and they always had some they had a, some good hits but they used to pump up and uh give a lot of uh if you could just tell our audience a little bit about the casablanca records which was a very was it run by a guy by the name neil bogart or whatever it was what happened there all right well real quickly i need to say this because we do deal with economics the schools of economics are a joke <laughs> they teach you how to make money out of quantity. 
Well, great. To have quantity, you need quality. So you can't keep putting out the same crap, hoping and praying it will happen. And when you're dealing with art and you're dealing with life, you need a quality of life to make money out of it. Yeah. If you don't have quality, you'll never have real quantity. So I'm answering your question. The music industry needs quality before quantity. So what happens is banks get in there and they assume people have no heart, no soul, and they could sell them anything like they can cereal. And music isn't cereal. So I'm going to come back to that. Now, you and I grew up in a world where the Internet for our world was music. Yeah. That's how we communicated with each other. So now you go to Casablanca. Neil Bogart used to have songs like 1910 Bubblegum Company. Can you imagine? Archie's. <laughs> and then what happened was he moved to L.A. and he opened up um, a record label called Casablanca. His first record was Donna Summer being produced by Giorgio Moroder out of Europe. Europe came up with electronic music. We didn't have electronic music because it doesn't last for three minutes. It goes on and on. Our country's based on radio that every three minutes you would get a commercial. That's how they sucked you into it. They would get paid for it. In Europe, you know, and I don't know what's right. Maybe there's a mixture of them. You couldn't advertise on radio in Europe because they didn't want to they didn't want to diminish the minds of the people over there. So we called that socialism instead of intelligence. So in Europe, they would play electronic music. Why am I saying this to you? Because electronic music became the music of the discos. The, was yep. that what they used to call the discos then? So not, Donna Summer had a two-sided record that was really a song of her having an orgasm. Love to Love You, Baby. That's all that album was. The album sold big. So what Neil did is he went into the dance music, disco music then, and Neil started bringing out the disco music. And disco music, when we lost Vietnam as a country, our spirit disappeared. Yeah. You and I were raised to think America always right. You know, in my new book, and we'll get into that later, called Spiritual Insomnia, we lost the messenger of America to Columba. The messenger of America used to be a woman. Now it became Uncle Sam, so we could go to war. When we lost Vietnam, it was like, hey, wait a minute. We were God's chosen country. We were the Jewish nation of them all. We thought God chose us yeah. over everybody else. Where I'm going with this is we couldn't deal with it. So instead of our generation becoming staying a we, where we were going to build a better world, we became a me. And when we became a me, we went into different drugs like cocaine instead of pot. So you would go to the clubs, you would drink, you would snort cocaine, and you would listen to electronic music. That brought you into the culture of ecstasy and all the other crap that these kids take now yep. that just distorts their bodies and minds. But why am I saying this? The electronic music plays to that. So now, back to Neil Bogart. Yep. Neil Bogart had the dance music, and he kept throwing out dance music, and occasionally he would have a hit. But what he did with Donna Summer is he tried, and he succeeded, making her a dance R&B artist. Those long, extended, endless mixes yep. disappeared in the songs. You know, and So what he did, though, was he still had this label, he had this overhead, and he became the king of promotion. He put out four albums of Kiss, solo albums, a million copies each. He came, more came back than he sold. That sold nothing. He had Kiss. He had it with a guy named Bill O'Coin. He was the king of hype, and he just kept selling, selling, selling. And what he did was he sold it to the Germans. 
Oh yeah, the, that's the uh, story I give you in the book. Yeah, polygram. Yeah, so he takes, and I think the polygram used to re- record things like the the uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the Berlin uh, Phil- Symphony Harmonic or whatever. And they, they they did really like uh, symphony music and that type of thing. And then they <laughs> he sold it to Polygram. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, he sold it to Polygram. <laughs> who also had, they had Phonogram and Polydor. Those were their two labels. And and he but he would go to the bank and 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 get more money from the banks. He he would essentially they we used to call it in the electronics industry. He would fly kites. He would essentially ship inventory. We'd all come back, but he would borrow more money because the sales were going up. He a lot of financial engineering, was he? Yeah. Yeah, but by the way, that's the retail business. I mean, you're an economist. If we said right now, boom, America, we're going on hold for thirty days. We're going to do an accounting. I mean, look at all the cars that are sitting there in the lot. What they do is they bring the cars in, they give it a value, and they say, hi, my dealership has a value of $1 trillion. I have a million cars sitting out here. Then what they do is they ship the cars back, they raise the price on the, the new cars. So instead of a trillion, since they just raised it, on the new accounting sheet, they have $1.1 trillion, and you borrow money against it. And you just keep this scheme. It's, it's a Ponzi scheme of debt. It goes on and on. It's like the department stores. You bring clothes in at one value, you ship them out, what doesn't sell, and you bring in a new value and you raise your price on your balance sheet. But that doesn't mean you're making money. That means you're, you have a balance sheet, which means nothing. If the world ended today, it, it's over. And we don't teach people that. We live on debt. We live on the belief that tomorrow will be more. So instead of dealing with it we try to authenticate it because the banks have the money they don't have the money we learned that lesson in 2008 and 9 but no one wants to see it where did we get the trillion dollars you know the trillions of dollars to buy out our debt we printed it so why can't we print the money and give it to the people to spend the money instead of giving it to the banks to authenticate it loaning it back to our country and then we put it in play and all of a sudden the banks have 30 percent of us it's so wrong. It needs to stop, and someone needs to get into office. Someone needs to take to talk to it. Someone that could debate these clowns that come out and perpetuate a Federal Reserve banking system that we do not own, let alone control, that runs the IMF, that goes around the world, taking possessions of people and then getting upset when the people get upset that they've lost their possessions. You know, in your book, um, God's Gangsters in Honor, um, and this is a conclusion I came to, and this is why I want to kind of lead into what you and uh, my friend Stephen Jay are doing now. Um, people ask me what I am, a Republican or a Democrat. Well, I'm a, I'm a capitalist, okay? When it comes right down to it, I'm a, I'm a political atheist. But you, um, in your book on page 116, you said, uh, uh, here's the quote. Says, I was tired of the Democrats under Bill Clinton, who, were, who I felt were political equivalent of a senior clergy. That's a great line. They and they alone had to communicate with God, okay? And um, so since only re- later did I realize that both parties are both from the same cloth. Would you explain to the audience what you mean by that? I mean, uh, and because and, and I, I know what you mean, and I, I think you nailed it there. So uh, we really need I'll to have I'll go a- into it even better. And I'll do. you do know what I mean in our talks. You get it. In my new book, it's called Spiritual Insomnia. I come out with the... The Columbra. What's the Columbra? There are three types of governments. Okay, government one is a government 
where the people rule the community. It's, it's a community government. The elders are the ones that help the people get through today because we know the truth. We only know the truth because we live the truth. We see all your wants and needs, all the greeds that come, where it's all about you, 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 and then it's about you and your wife, then it's about your, your wife and you, and you know, and then your family, your grandparents, your parents. And what you do is it's a circle that revolves. It keeps revolving. And then when you get to be older, you realize, hey, wait a minute. I need to make sure these people have a dream. They have something they can believe in. It's an essence. Gandhi was an essence. Martin Luther King was an essence. Jesus was an essence. Right? But what happens is when an essence dies or whatever happens with someone that can help the community become better, all of a sudden that essence becomes history and then two governments fight for each other. One becomes the ruler that's appointed by the man made gods of society. You know, like, did you ever ask yourself, why does Saudi Arabia, where did they get their kingdom from? Well, the British appointed them. Well, who are the British? Well, the British have an Anglican church that threw out the Catholic church. That's why you and I don't speak Latin, because Latin is <laughs> the key word for believing that you're part of the Vatican, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I was running for office here, and I'm looking at all these Spanish people, they say, well, you're not Latin. A, I'm from the Mediterranean. But B, more importantly, Spanish and English is the same 26 letters. You may have hats and lines that go differently to put an accent on a word in Spanish, but it's the same language, same letters. It's not Greek and Russian, you know, and all it's been is a war since 1066 between the Vatican against the uh, Greek Orthodox Church, which is why we hate Russia. Russia's the stand-in for the Greek Orthodox Church. But going back to this, so you have a system of rulers, or you have a system of law. Both report to the man-made gods, and the Republican Party is more of the ruler organization, and the Democratic Party is more of a law society. But the community that I was talking to you is about equity, equitable, what's right under the circumstances, what is right today. Don't tell me what was right last year. Last year is not today. You may learn from what you learned about last year, but the trick is to get your community to believe that tomorrow's coming and we're going to have tomorrow be a better day because today was a good day. Now I'm going to sacrifice everything today for tomorrow. You may never have tomorrow. And when my son died, I learned that lesson. You need to live for today and plan for tomorrow, not live for tomorrow and give away everything you have today. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, that, that was kind of what's, – what's the motivation? Because obviously you made a – Great living and doing what you did, uh, Steve. Um, but um, what motivates you today? Because what you had, you started a record label with your son Baron, right? And, yes. And, and a partner. And then, would he die in a car accident? What happened? He died in a car accident that was caused because an artist that we were producing went nuts and started basically started cutting himself and throwing blood all over my apartment. And he was worshiping the devil. Oh, and he and the artist made my son go out to go get him drugs. And I'm just telling naked truth because it's important. My son didn't think. My son allowed a, a God that we were making to sit and tell him what to do. And it's the only time in our lives that he didn't call me. He panicked, got into a car, fell asleep at the wheel. He had an idiot DJ there sitting and feeding him. 
And I want every kid to hear this. Don't do it. And if you do do it, understand that you need to be in a safe place and you can't put other people's lives at risk. You know, you need to know what you're doing. And anyway, the, um, my son hit a, hit a pole and he died. He was burnt to death. Yeah, you know, it, it, my heart felt, um, you know, it was, you never get, so th- you're kind of doing this for Baron. I mean, amongst other things, uh, which is a... Uh, I'm doing this, for, I'm doing this for all of us. You know, I, in my mind, I know I'm going to see Baron again, and I'm yeah. going to chase him all over the universe. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, you'll, you'll hear, you'll hear thunder, and it will be us just running. I'm going to get his ass. But anyway, I'm... I just want people to believe in a dream. You were not made to pay debt. You weren't made to pay this. You were, Don't tell me we can't give the, a nation health care. 1947, the United States comes up with a Marshall Plan. Why did we have a Marshall Plan? So the Europeans stop beating each other up. The WASP, I mean, the wars that go on with the WASP is insane. You know, but you're not allowed to say that. You know, only the Muslims are bad. No, they're not. Man and greed is bad. So what we did is in 47, we rebuilt Europe, where we instituted and encouraged Europe to have a safety net so there wouldn't be the discrepancy in money and you wouldn't fight over it. You know, the other couple of months ago, I was on an airplane in an English school. I was going to London to Berlin, and they had a school there. And there were about 100, maybe 130 kids there and the teachers. And I'm looking at them and they're listening to music. I wanted to know what they were listening to. So I start talking to them. And then we go to get the luggage and we're down there and they're all gathered around there. And the teachers were there and they, they realized I'm into music or whatever. And I said, what are you guys doing here? And they told me they were doing a history tour. I said, well, why don't you teach the students how three grandchildren of Queen Victoria killed 55 million people having a family feud. World War I, the Kaiser, the Tsar, and the King of England were all the grandchildren of Queen Victoria. Maybe that's mutant DNA. So what they did do is, what I'm telling you, is the Marshall Plan gave everyone a safety net, and now the United States became old Europe, which is everything Washington told us not to do. We are old Europe. The discrepancy in income here is insane. And then when I hear Bernie Sanders sending out tweets telling you, Amazon, you know, you got to protest how much money the owner's taking it. No, Bernie Sanders. Give everyone a minimum standard of living. Let them live with dignity. Let the community hire them so they can make the community better. And then people won't be desperate for work to go pay off some bank and take jobs that are underpaid. Maybe Amazons would go away. Maybe if people had choice of jobs. Maybe if they could work for their community instead of letting these pigs go there and not pay you. It's disgusting. Yeah, well, this is not made to pay for the social safety net of our country. Our government does it, and we need to leave business alone. And what will happen is we need everybody to have free choice. Not with the gun that I had. Oh, you got to pay your visa account. No, you don't. The whole thing's disgusting. When Citibank put this sign up that shade. The um, new Met Stadium, the oh, old yeah. Shea, the new one, New York City, yeah. Citibank, and they took money from the United States government and they gave the Mets two hundred fifty million dollars. I got sick. We don't need banks to become gods. Banks work for us. They need to be nationalized. We need, you know, our great grandparents or our grandparents, they knew the truth. 
They made banks three different divisions. You want an investment bank? Go, go gamble all you want. But not your community bank, your savings bank. It's wrong. Well, you know, it was they, yeah, it was the repeal of Glass Siegel, you know, and it, we didn't. And you you read yeah. my book, so you know, we we both know the the the, the game, and um, and this is my whole thing, Steve, is that um, uh, thank God in the United States, well, I don't know, we could somewhat, we don't enslave people in chains anymore, but we enslave them in debt. Would you agree? Debt, all debt. It's all a game. And the best Republican president, and Newt Gingrich told this to me, was Bill Clinton. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he yeah he he no was the Republican could have done what he did to us. <laughs> oh no, you 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 you're preaching to the choir. It was Clinton who really who uh, de, uh, took down Glass Eagle, and it was that's and ever since then it, it's been going up for you know for thirty years or so. But it was when they took down Glass Eagle in 1999, it's been all bets are off, and it's been it's been a orgy of debt uh, uh, and leverage finance ever since then. Would you agree? Yeah, totally agree. I mean, Bill Clinton created the military police force. Yeah, he's the guy that did it. And you know, when he he whatever he did with the three strike law and making making the police departments have to arrest people to get their pay, so they could you know, and who are you going to pick on? You're going to pick on the poor. You put them in the system and you penalize them, and that that's how you feed your police department. I feel horrible for the police. They're made to enforce wrong law. You need law equally applicable to all. And we don't have that, and we need it. Yeah, you know, Steve, now, one of the things which, um, you know, last night I went with my girlfriend. I saw every, I, I think he's based on uh, Florida. Michael Franti, ever seen him? Boy, he, he, yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, is he, is he, he, he's got great energy, doesn't he? I mean, he's just, he's a fantastic artist and, um, I saw him last Where did you see him up in Vermont? Uh, no, I actually saw him at the Hampton Beach Casino. We're actually, it's just a, a seaside, old seaside resort where, uh, heck, the Stones have played there and the Who's played there over the years and all these communities. It was a great, he was just an incredible entertainer and just uh, same cloth. So if you run to him in his, your travels. And he was just really uplifting about how music, well, in his message about how you can really improve things through music. So what are it you? It will open your heart, and once you open your heart, your heart will control your mind. I totally agree with him. Yeah. So yeah. So 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 what what is what is Steve Machat and Stephen Jay up to now? Are you you guys doing something in this regard? We're going to open up the School of Sacred Knowledge with Mobilize, and we're going to have it where you could basically talk to someone that could give you true answers, not monetary answers. You know. And not because if you if you have the ability to dream and if you learn how to put together a team and if you if you not everyone can make money, but everyone can help build a community. It's two different mindsets, but everyone at that one point in time may go off in their home run tear where like Brady Anderson of the Orioles hit 52 home runs one year. He never did it again. But every one of us has that super year. And you can't be taught you can't do it. It's wrong. You know, by the way, his band used to be called Spearhead. Yeah, yeah. You know? he, yeah yep. It's really, I don't know if you've seen him. He's, he's one of yeah, the better acts I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he's really good. You know, and it's like they make fun of yoga. Well, yoga became New Age, and New Age went around running, telling the world that they got all the secret messages. No, they didn't. 
These are messages of truth, and Elba needs to teach it to you. You need to learn how to breathe. You need to learn how to eat. You need to. You want health care? How can we not have health care when the food we eat is genetically modified, let alone chemical? The air we breathe is poisoned, and the water we drink is poisoned. So what are you going to do? You're going to go get doctors to put band-aids on the disease that our society causes? It's it's insane. We need to have really level people. And if something worked, you know, it's like basketball. When you and I grew up, there was no three uh, twenty-four second clock. There was no three three pointers. Yeah. You make the game better. Our job is, is the columbra, the message: make life better for all. We live in abundance, and our country runs on scarcity. We have people like Bernie Sanders telling you. Oh, oh, you know, this cake needs to be divided this way and this way. No, it doesn't, Bernie. Let's make more cakes. Let's be entrepreneurs. The word capitalism was first used in 1854 in a German book. Our country wasn't built on capitalism. Our country was built on entrepreneurs and visionaries who wanted a world, and it was an agricultural world, which is like intellectual property where, you know, one plus one is not two. You know, you mate two pigs, you could end up with eight to ten. That's truth. If you put things together creatively, you'll have more than you had before. But now we live in a world with a country that was made to run 2.5 million lives. And there's more than 2.5 million people right here in Miami-Dade. The system needs to be fixed and adapted. We need to teach people the truth. We need to teach people you're not a failure because you can't go make $10 million. We need to stop the real estate scams that go on where we dispossess people. We need to equalize the game. If we're paying U.S. tax, why do we let all these foreigners come in with all their money and then go buy property and raise all the property prices? We should tax them at the border. But we can't do that because then Donald Trump wouldn't have any sales. You know, and the whole thing's crazy. We have immigration where we sit there and we take people out of the United States and we call it illegal immigration. Well, what's legal immigration? How did all of us get here? What's a WAP? A WAP is without any papers. There was no Italy country. We don't teach people the truth. I try to set it out in this book. And, I'll, and what I want to do is I want to talk to people. They need to know the truth. The system we're living in right now is made for the 1% who are not all Americans, to be there. You know, I'm friends with Robert Graham, the ex-senator. He wrote a memo of how the Saudis used the Federal Reserve, and they control one of them, the one in St. Louis, to finance 9-11. Barack Obama wouldn't let that be published. Why not? Why can't we learn from our mistakes instead of hiding our mistakes? You know, it needs to stop. Why didn't we nationalize the Federal Reserve? If Donald Trump wanted to do something, nationalize the Federal Reserve. They distribute our cash. When you and I play Monopoly, no, the guy that distributes our cash doesn't get 30% more than you and me. And they do get 30% more. I'm an accountant. They discount the notes. They get 6%, and they charge cost and expenses. We've never audited their cost and expenses. When you and I pay our tax, the Federal Reserve gets their commission before any of us get it. That's the best bookies game ever created. And it, it fascinates me because I see both sides of it. These guys pulled the biggest scam of the world. The Super Tramp sang the song. It's the crime of the century. Oh, I heard that? that song. I'm like, that's the Federal Reserve, the crime of the century. You know, who are these mass people? How did they pull it off? <laughs> 
Barry, I could go on and on. I just, I love our country. Our country is the country that could fix the whole thing. Okay, Steve, I have a question for my uh, sidekick, Will Pierce. He has a question for you, uh, uh, if you don't mind. Not at all. Is it P-I-E-R-C-E? Well, Will Pierce, yeah, Englishman. <laughs> all right. Do you know the story of Franklin Pierce? The president from your area? Yep, I do. He's a distant his, relative. His son died on his way down to D.C. He never recovered. Oh, that's too bad. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I diverted you. Please okay, share so, so we which get, questions. We only got like a minute left. So, so Rand Paul and Ron Paul, they used to call for the um, abolishing the Federal Reserve. Now they just say audit it. Do you, do you know why they changed their tune? Yeah, yeah. Because they want to audit it because they'll find money. I promise you they'll find money in the cost and expenses. I'm an accountant. I could get right in there and find the overcharges. What my job used to be, and maybe I'll make you laugh, I would go to all the shows and I would close the shows. But I got so bored with it that um, I used to go to baseball games or basketball games and come back to close the shows. But when you close the show, they show you all the expenses. They lie to you. So the two <laughs> Pauls think they could be heroes by auditing the Federal Reserve. The problem with the two Pauls is they believe in a gold standard. A gold standard is a scarcity standard. What can you do with gold? They don't teach you why we honor gold. And I love when my friends, who I love dearly, tell me, oh, I'm buying gold in case Amagarden comes. And I'm like, okay, he came. What are you going to do with the gold? We're going to go sell it. And I look at him, I go, and who are you selling it to? How are you getting it there? If that happens, all the systems fell apart. What are you doing? King Midas, if you study the Greek, King Midas, he, he wanted, he asked Zeus to give him the ability to turn everything to gold. Well, he had to beg Midas to undo this touch because he didn't have a wife. He didn't have children. They were gold statues, and he couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep, and he went back and became a laborer. The gold is the gift of life, you know, and the gold used to be used to make radar and it would alchemize into mama. But it's just it's that's why they're doing it, because they would find money and they would come out as heroes. By the way, we never audited them with Iraq. We, we don't audit anybody, and you will find money, I promise you. Uh, Steve, we've come, to, unfortunately, to the end of our show. We're going to have to continue this conversation offline because we have uh, 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 in-kind um, philosophies, and um, um, and uh, we have one quick, one last quick question. No, no, okay, but uh, it's been an awesome job, and you've also uh, helped educate a young Chinese uh, intern here, uh, William, from China, and... Um, we're going to do it all again, Steve. Let's keep in touch. You listen to Barry oh, James. And uh, By the way, I did a movie in China called Warriors of Virtue. Really? Where was it filmed? <laughs> it was filmed in China on the other side of Hong Kong. Uh, and and the people that financed it, they owned the uh, merchandising rights to, um, oh, whatever you call it, the, um, I can't believe I forget, Star Wars. So they tried to make merchandising of kangaroos that were teaching Taoism and Taoism. Tell them to look it up. He'll like it. <laughs> All right, William. Uh, cool. Yeah, William, you like that? Yeah. So you get something to look up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Steve, let, let's continue this offline. Thank you so much. Uh, no, you did a thank great... you. Until you read us to check me out. Oh yeah. Put in my name and go get the books. Sacred knowledge, God's gangsters and honor. They'll, you know, they're all available now. I read uh, Sacred Knowledge, a rock and roller's guide to higher consciousness. It's scored with music, never done before. 
And my new book, Spiritual Insomnia, is my life tome. It's everything I believe in. Well, well God bless you. We'll, we'll be in touch, Steve. Have a great day. No, thank you, and I'm honored that I got to speak with you guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the warriors?